Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the financial and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Dr. Eleanor Green is going to talk to us about veterinarians using telemedicine. I'm Kim Brown, editor of Equal Management. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Eleanor Green is a DVM as well as a specialist in internal medicine and veterinary practice. She is Dean Emerita of the Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. And she's the past president of the American Association of Equine Practitioners. Thank you, Dr. Green, for joining us today to talk about veterinarians using telemedicine. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here with you today, Kim, to talk about a subject of great relevance to veterinarians, their patients, their clients, and overall the veterinary profession. Thank you. Well, we know that veterinarians, most of them, are already using some sort of telemedicine, even though they might not call it that. They watch videos or look at images that owners or trainers have sent to them. And during the pandemic, many veterinarians began to use telemedicine more frequently, but unfortunately, that seems to be tapering off. So let's start with what is telemedicine and how does it fit in veterinary practice? In a nutshell, telemedicine is any care that's provided remotely, and that can be by any device, whether it's your telephone, whether it's video, whether it's uh, Snapchat, whether, you know, it doesn't really matter what medium you're using, it's any type of healthcare provided remotely. It's actually, because of that, the evolution of healthcare in a digital world, the natural evolution. It's not a passing fancy, it's here to stay. And it can be and should be an integral part of the standard care for horses in veterinary medicine. So why should veterinarians use telemedicine? You know, I want to start with two scenarios. Let's look at some of the issues that are facing veterinary medicine today, and telemedicine can address many of those. But to start with a couple of examples, let's look, I'm in Texas, let's take a horse in West Texas that got a laceration of the forearm. And this horse is located 50 miles away from the closest veterinarian and the closest equine veterinarian is about 100 miles away. The owner called, but neither is available and the appointment books are full for even the next two weeks. We know how overworked veterinarians are today and how tough their schedules are going to be. What does this horse do? What does this owner do? Does it have to wait two weeks? Um, and, And so what are the options? Well, they could haul the horse in to the clinic. However, the trailer is broken and they can't get a hold of their neighbors to borrow one. So this person is in a lurch. So a telephone, a telem- excuse me, a telemedicine call with a Zoom video can provide a lot of information. And this first call could even go to a technician, better utilizing technicians in a practice. And the technician can then look at the wound, see that, can share it with the veterinarian, a determination can be made. And in this particular case, it actually was determined that the case did not need to be sutured. And so then they were able to give advice over the phone on how to manage this wound. And then through telemedicine, they were able to follow the progress of the wound to make sure that it was healing properly. And in the end, everything was good. That a good outcome saved the client money, allowed the DVM to expand the reach of the practice and everybody won in this case. 
Another example similar to that is a colic case where a horse starts showing signs of colic. That's a panic for all of us. And in this same West Texas scenario, then what is going to happen there? Same thing. Telemedicine call can be made with Zoom video or any other kind of video. The veterinarian can actually observe the severity of pain and can even check mucous membranes. And the sclera can have the client take the heart rate, respiratory rate, and even perform a capillary refill test and see that by video. And then in this particular case, if we use this example, the pain was not very severe. So the DVM was able to recommend banamine for this owner and to make sure that the horse received other supportive care like water, hydration, walking the horse gently, and then to even set up a chart to follow all the parameters and the veterinarian can stay in contact constantly with this animal to follow the progress. And in this case, the horse recovered uneventfully all through a telemedicine call. That's the type of scenario that can provide access to care to those animals that don't have access and can expand the reach of veterinarians in today's world. And those are wonderful reasons. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the benefit to the horse. I mean, especially in these two cases. And, and to the vet and the owner, what are those benefits? We know the challenges that the veterinary profession is experiencing today in terms of access to care and reaching all the animals that need care, the elevated work burdens for the entire veterinary health care team. We know the stress and burnout and all those examples of veterinary medicine challenges in today's world. Telemedicine isn't going to solve all of them, but telemedicine can contribute good solutions to each and every one of them. First of all, recruitment and retention in today's world with young associates is, is easier when a practice provides telemedicine because it allows the flexibility that's needed in today's world. Veterinarians can work part-time from home if the practice would allow that and can provide good contributions to that practice remotely. Other things are the stress and burnout that comes from not being able to provide the care that an animal needs. We know the emotional toll that that takes on us and telemedicine can help fill that bridge and know that we're reaching animals more efficiently and more and just as effectively through telemedicine. In addition to that, we know that in today's rural areas, there aren't equine veterinarians in every single small town. And so the benefit to many animals is that they all can now have immediate access to the best equine veterinarians around through telemedicine, either through their own clients or through referrals to specialists. And this all can be done virtually. A lot of benefits that can be obtained through telemedicine including monetization. You know, veterinarians give their advice away and that's okay. If you've got a really good client and you want to give some advice away, that's okay, but it's become expected. And this is a wonderful way for veterinarians to actually be rewarded for the wonderful advice that they give that can actually improve the health of horses and even save clients money. So there's no embarrassment at all or no reason to apologize for monetizing telemedicine. Can a veterinarian that maybe hasn't monetized or hasn't really done a lot of telemedicine get started with this? There are many first steps. Um, 
You know, the Veterinary Virtual Care Association was formed to exactly do that, to support veterinarians. There is a website that one can go to, and there are many resources on that website. For example, best practices for telemedicine, legal and ethical issues, sample client consent forms, and these need to be obtained for telemedicine, front desk phone guides, prescribing medications and what are the opportunities and limitations, as well as sample telemedicine flow charts that can guide veterinarians on what they're able to do. And so that's the first step is go on that website and look. Also read about what's happening in human medicine, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And then determine what is most appropriate in an individual practice. What staff needs to be included, how can that staff be trained? And that staff includes veterinarians, technicians, the front office staff, the billing office, practice managers. They all need to be engaged in crafting a workable plan that's most likely to be well-received and then successfully adopted. So that training definitely needs to be provided. There needs to be uh, policies and procedures for medical records. How does the information from a telemedicine call get into the medical record? Very important. And then along that and very much related to that is cybersecurity. And that's above and beyond telemedicine, but definitely is baseline for all telemedicine calls. So there are a lot of... um, A lot of uh, examples like that, even ensuring connectivity and equipment and processes are working because internet connectivity is really important. And the other point that needs to be made is that the malpractice insurance provider needs to be informed that the practice is providing telemedicine. They certainly will insure it, just need to let them know to be sure. Talk a little bit. I live in a rural area and I know I have telemedicine calls with my doctor. I mean, and they have they have saved me a lot of driving time and and a a lot of money, actually. So how do vets kind of tag into this when owners kind of are already used to it? Kim, that's an excellent point. Telemedicine is really well positioned to become an absolute standard service in human medicine and is already there. You know, we recently went to a hospital for a visit and there were three things they asked for. One is to give your consent. The other is who's your insurance provider. And the third was, do you like telemedicine or will you accept telemedicine? It's there in human field. And let's talk about a few examples there. Number one Human patients are animal owners, and they're very pleased with telemedicine services that they're receiving, and they're going to expect that same delivery of service to their animals. And they're going to ask veterinarians, why can I get that for me and I can't get that for my horse? In fact, telemedicine has just been ignited to the point that it's become fundamental in human health care. You know, a, a few facts that I think readers may want to hear is that by April 2020, nearly all primary care physicians, and that's 97% of them, were using telemedicine. The uh, Medicare beneficiaries exploded from 13,000 a week to 1.7 million a week during COVID. But even after COVID, telemedicine has sustained itself. And Stanford Healthcare reports that 30 to 40% of their visits remain remote even after COVID. 
So 75% of physicians, how do physicians feel about this? Do they feel like it's quality medicine or not? Because that's one of the questions veterinarians have. I have to touch the animal myself. I can't do this remotely. 75% of physicians surveyed said that telemedicine provided better care for their patients. And studies have shown that telehealth was equivalent to in-person care, and in some areas it was even better. And so I think the quality of care is there. Now let's go to the patient and see how they received it. Uh, do our clients like it? Or are our clients going to like it in the veterinary field if we can extrapolate what happens in human medicine? Uh, many studies have shown that over 80% of patients indicated satisfaction with telemedicine. And they're among the highest of all evaluations in the human healthcare field. They said it makes it easier for, for them to get care and they expect it to be a part of their standard care. And here's the point veterinarians need to hear. 50% of patients surveyed said they would switch providers to providers who would give them virtual care visits on a regular basis. They're long-term, they're loyal to this provider, but if they don't provide telemedicine, they're gonna switch. And that's what we need to be aware of with the human field. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. That's really good. And I will make sure the Veterinary Veteral Care Association that in this podcast, in the article on equimanagement, uh, you can go to equimanagement.com and look for the Business of Practice podcast under this uh, particular podcast. And I will include a link out to what Dr. Green is talking to so you can get those assets. Good. And I want to touch one more time on how veterinarians can get their clients used to getting paid when that's kind of a sticking point with some veterinarians. They're like, well, gosh, I've always let my patients send me a picture or something and I don't bill them. But we've just paved a road right here that they expect that when they visit their own doctors. So how do veterinarians jump on that? Yeah, that's a wonderful point, Kim. What is wonderful is that there is a precedent in human medicine and they're all experiencing it themselves. The next point is that anybody who really is going to implement telemedicine in a substantial way in the practice needs to make sure that their clients are educated. And this can happen in a variety of forms. Number one, put it on the website and put it on the first page. We're happy to announce that we're now providing telemedicine services. And then you explain to them what that means. And that can be followed up with postcard mailings or letter mailings or whatever way that they want to inform their clients. But education of clients is very important. They could have educational programming. A lot of practices do that anyway. And one of their main topics could be telemedicine and what are the benefits of it and how are we doing this for you and why are we doing this for you? And now how do we do this for you? What are your steps? So I think it all comes down to education and you don't hit them in the face with monetization is the very first point that you make, but you do say, now how can we get this done? And there are a lot of different ways that 
You can even inform the client, how do we make this easy for you? You can put this on your credit card. You can use some of the other payment systems that are out there. And so you provide that to them as how they can pay. And I think that that seems to work pretty well. Those are such great points to make. Is there anything else that you would like to help veterinarians understand about telemedicine and veterinary practice? Veterinarians have some questions about and even objections to telemedicine. One of the first questions they have are what are the legal ramifications for telemedicine and what is allowed uh, for me? I think the first thing we can say about that is malpractice is no different with telemedicine than with any other forms of providing veterinary care. The second is that veterinarians need to be aware of the rules and regulations, the laws in their state. Again, the Veterinary Virtual Care Association has a regulatory map. You go to it, you click on your state, and it tells you what the laws are in your state. So you're absolutely certain that you're following the laws, and especially if you're operating in neighboring states as well. So you'll be fully informed about legal aspects. There are other questions about quality of care. Can one provide the same quality of care through telemedicine as they do through other means. We've heard over and over that you have to get your hands on the animal to do a really good examination. Let's look at that. One thing that a telemedicine visit offers that an in-person visit doesn't offer unless you make the farm call is the ability to look at the environment where the horse resides rather than having them hauled in and you don't know that. So you can look at the feed, you can look at the hay, you can look at the fencing, you can get a really good idea about the husbandry practices. You can get a really good look at the husbandry practices on that farm. In addition, you can get a, a first-hand view of that horse in that environment when they're not uh, stressed by any way with the trailering and with the visit. You can see them in their environment. So you can certainly get a really good exam through telemedicine. I think the other point about that is that if, if a veterinarian doesn't want to provide telemedicine, they shouldn't. But if they do want to provide telemedicine, they can provide quality care and they can provide an exam that it's the same, if not even better than typical means. You know, it all comes down to a veterinarian's judgment, doesn't it? As with any case, it's the veterinarian's judgment. Is this case appropriate for telemedicine or not? And if so, how far can I go? Can I use it for teletriage where I just look at the case and say, yes, it needs to come in. And by the way, telemedicine increases the number of in-clinic cases as well because you do get that touch point. So teletriage. You know, it's also wonderful for telemonitoring. So when you send an animal home, whether it's after a colic or after any other case that you've seen, you can actually use telemedicine visits to get a view of that animal in its home environment as you monitor it through its recovery period. Telemonitoring is a wonderful tool as a part of telehealth. And then the other thing is teleconsulting. You know, you can get the veterinarian, the client, uh, anybody else involved with that horse's care, and we know they're more than just the owner, and a specialist, 
essentially all together in the same room virtually and can see and talk about this case through telemedicine. Another wonderful example of telemedicine. Well, we have really heard some great benefits, not only to veterinarians, but the horses and the clients uh, by using telemedicine. Um, and we really appreciate you joining us. Is there anything else you would like to add before we close out our podcast? This has been amazing with lots of great tips. Some of the things that we didn't talk about are technologies and looking in the future and seeing how advancing technologies are really going to expand the capabilities of telemedicine. I'm gonna give you one example that's present in human healthcare. There's a company called TitoCare and it's a little device that allows the full examination of a doctor to a patient at home. The physicians are able to hear the heart and lung sounds, to conduct ear exams, to see the throat, and receive the examination results by secure email. As our technologies develop, our capabilities are going to develop in concert with them. We already have some devices on horses now, some remote monitoring devices, and that market is going to continue to expand. And the more we provide telemedicine and the more these technologies expand, I think they're going to feed on each other. We're going to get more technologies as we do more telemedicine, and we're going to do more telemedicine as we get more devices. The other things that are happening right now is uh, tele-ultrasound where ultrasound can be performed on site, and then those images can be diagnosed by a specialist off-site. And think about that, bringing a board-certified specialist to the farm or to the, even to the clinic for digital ultrasound. And the same applies to digital radiography. I think one more point that's really important today is we depend so much on our equine veterinary technicians. And that's another challenge and a subject for another day. But how do we best utilize them? Because we know that we're losing them because they don't see the role of a technician as a career option. Why is that? Two main reasons. We don't use them at the top of their license and we don't pay them. But if we incorporated them into our telemedicine practice, they could bring more profits to the hospital, command a higher salary, and be utilized more at the top of their license. Telemedicine is a huge answer for our utilization of equine veterinary technicians. This depends on the state, but imagine if we could send a, a technician out to a farm and connect back to the veterinarian and how that could embellish and enhance any sort of telemedicine exam that occurs remotely. In addition to that, even back in the clinic, the technicians can be the first line of defense in taking telemedicine calls and actually being responsible for triage. Yes, you need to come in. No, I can take care of it and give you advice because really what you're asking for is advice or, you know what, I'm going to get the doctor involved and we can handle this case remotely together. And then the technician can wrap up a lot, making sure that the client receives the right information and that the medical records are populated well. And so I think incorporation of the veterinary technician is, is central to the implementation of telemedicine. It needs to start on day one. And I actually have a good example. I know a technician who 
was on call and the veterinarian had gone, had a, they were at a mixed animal practice. And the veterinarian had gone to the clinic and said, no, I don't need you. I'm okay. It's, it's this, this, or this. Okay. And then immediately gets another call for a horse that's down that was near where the technician would have had to gone past. So the technician went to the farm. The person did not have a trailer available and the horse was down. They examined the horse via video. And, you know, it was, it was out in the field with, you know, as veterinarians have often done with truck headlights, you know, lighting the scene. But you got really good TPRs and examinations and everything the vet wanted. The tech could handle getting that information. And then the vet made a diagnosis based on that information and started treatment before the horse ever had to leave the farm. You know, Kim, that's a, a great example. And I think that all veterinarians need to become actively involved in lobbying for laws that can allow us to practice the best standard of care the way our judgment sees that. And I, and I say that in terms of the use of technicians in this particular case, although there are others too. Um, one is that in some states, a technician can cannot operate away from the veterinarian. They have to be on the same premises, and that means physical location. Well, if you look at small animal, you know, you line up exam rooms, and the technician goes in the exam rooms, and the doctor comes along after them. And I don't see why that's much different than technicians being on farms, and then doctors going from technician to technician to find out how to triage and perhaps uh, uh, handle that case virtually. So that's certainly one thing. And then another, oh, excuse me, go ahead. Like this was in a state where the, the law does allow the yeah. veterinarian, as long as the veterinarian is in charge of the case, exactly. the technician can act under the veterinarian's pur purview. But in the cases that don't allow that, I think that's something we need to get changed. Uh, equine veterinary medicine is different than small animal veterinarian uh, um Equine veterinary medicine is different than small animal veterinary medicine in many ways, and utilization of the technician has to be able to support equine veterinary medicine in the appropriate way. There's one more big controversy that's existing in the profession that is contributing to a lot of debate, and that's the virtual veterinary client-patient relationship. Right now, there are many states who require that you have to have an in-person examination to form a virtual VCPR, as we call it. And, you know, that's a, a big debate. We, uh, we had a gathering of leaders in the profession from across uh, the different uh, dimensions of the profession and debated this issue. And in the end, the large majority said, you know what, we ought to allow a virtual VCPR with guardrails. There are still some who remain adamantly opposed to that. But another example is suppose that a person moves into a new state, into a new area, and they haven't gotten a veterinarian yet, and that horse gets colic, and, and they don't have that relationship yet. Can, can that horse in that same scenario in Texas, can the veterinarian help that owner without an established VCPR? Right now, in some states, the answer is legally no. But what should the answer be? And I do believe it should be yes with guardrails. That, that's a great point. And that's one of the things where if veterinarians want this, they need to be proactive 
and ensuring that they're uh, obeying their state laws or change those laws so that they allow them to practice medicine as they see it works for, for their area. Because being in exactly. Kentucky or Pennsylvania is not the same as being in Texas or Wyoming or Nevada. I mean, there's, there's a difference in mileage before you can get assistance. I think that's exactly right. The other point that veterinarians today need to be aware of is the younger veterinarians as associates. How do we best recruit and retain them? Because we know we're losing them, not only from our individual practices, but also from the profession. And isn't it likely that utilization of telemedicine might help with that issue? I mean, can can these young associates work from home part time and they could work part time in the clinic, part time at home. They could be at home all the time if they have like family responsibilities that have increased for whatever reason that is. And isn't that possible? Plus, they grew up with a cell phone in their hands. They are comfortable using technologies. And is there any a likelihood that they are going to be drawn to a practice that utilizes technologies better in a way that they're comfortable with? And I'd say the answer to that is yes. I do believe that telemedicine applied properly can help us recruit and retain new associates as well as veterinary technicians in our practices. And that'll go a long way to sustaining a practice in a positive way and overcoming some of the current challenges. Well, I think this has been a wonderful discussion this morning, and we greatly appreciate you, Dr. Green, for joining us today on the Business to Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for allowing us to have these discussions. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com to uh, read the article and get the link that Dr. Green had mentioned. <clears throat> and if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown at equinenetwork.com. The Business Practice Podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. Mm-hmm.